Hey guys, welcome back to Aviation Lowdown. This is your host, Ello. Thanks for joining me today. Last week, I interviewed Laura Laban, CEO and co-founder of everyone's favorite mobile flight sim, Infinite Flight. And I mentioned I'd be at the Jones Beach Bethpage Air Show last weekend, which I was there Sunday. 220,000 people out in the beautiful sunny day. Met the Thunderbirds, met up with my friend Steph Strickland from Grunt Style Air Show Majors, and also ran into Rob Ryder, perhaps one of the most famous air show announcers ever. And I even got on the mic for a few moments, if you could believe that. It was insane. So thank you so much, guys. It meant a lot to me. Today, it's an honor to sit down with one of the most inspiring aviators of the social media age, a pilot, a mentor, YouTube personality, public speaker... And honestly, just a great friend. Today on Aviation Lowdown, Captain Joe. Well, it is finally happening. A lot of people thought I was actually kidding when I told them that I was going to have somebody on Aviation Lowdown who is massive, one of the most popular pilots on all of the internet. And I'm really not kidding. This guy has, at least I checked this morning, over 1 million subscribers on YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Welcome to the show. It is none other than the famous Captain Joe. Welcome thank- to Aviation. <laughs> thank you very much for the nice introduction. Yeah, it's actually just been a couple of days since we've uh, passed a million mark, and uh, it's been really exciting. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Wow. Really it's an absolute honor to talk to you, I have to be honest. Maybe I'll name this the uh, one millionth subscriber. I think I'm too late. There's like <laughs> one million three thousand or something, so I'm a bit late, but... Nevertheless, that's a very exciting title. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining me, man. You are a huge inspiration, somebody who I'm sure most of my followers, most of my listeners know. And wow. You know, your YouTube is, like I said in the beginning, arguably, and I think not even arguably, but it is one of the biggest in the world with respect to aviation. So tell people listening, how did you get started with all this, man? Like, what is your lead in (laughs) your story? What is the Joe story? And how did you come to be the guy you are today? Okay, well, when in terms of uh, the YouTube thing, it uh, happened by a few coincidences, as uh, very often the good things uh, do in life. (laughs) It was so that um, my dad actually called me up one day whilst I was working um, and I just performed my outside check and he uh, read a newspaper article and he didn't really understand what the um, journalist was going on about and he couldn't really understand the system behind it, what was uh, faulty on that plane. And uh, he asked me if I could uh, take him on an outside check and explain it to him and I said, yeah, I'm more, more likely to do that. And uh, it was like the the age of FaceTime sure. <laughs> and I took my dad on a virtual outside check uh, around the plane and explained it to him and um, yeah, went, took him into the cockpit uh, and showed him a couple of things here and there because I actually had quite some time and uh, then like two weeks later we sat uh, on the terrace you know having a relaxed uh, sundowner and he says Joe I mean you've explained that so well, um, when you, when I called you about, um, about that topic, um, don't you think like your passengers could be interested in this too? And I said, yeah. well, potentially. <laughs> and maybe. then my dad, <laughs> maybe. And then my dad, as a 66 year old, uh, said, uh, yeah, why don't you start a YouTube channel? <laughs> it's a modern <laughs> said, oh, guy. God. And, uh, well, at the time, uh, I was actually in, in the lookout for a sort of part time job, uh, as, yeah, sort of a side job to aviation because, uh, I had, yeah, a lot of free time um, as a commercial or passenger pilot, and uh, I wanted to do something in 
in my free time and then this sort of kind of was the kickoff to to my youtube channel and that is now roughly three years ago three to four years ago yeah <laughs> i mean only three or four years ago yeah i mean i talked yeah. to some people that's like you know 12 15 years they've been working on social media stuff you know <laughs> and that's amazing yeah. i mean not to discredit them because they're doing good Absolutely. but uh that time frame is amazing yeah and uh, yeah, it, it, it picked up uh, quite insanely, actually, because I remember when I uploaded my first video, <laughs> I was, I was, I literally shitting my pants because I was so scared. <laughs> because I mean, you have all the doubters and disbelievers, and the people say, "Oh my God, now what is up to now?" You know, and, and right. questioning what I'm doing and everything. And then the first video was actually, when I look back to it, it's, oh, it's like the topic was so incredibly boring, and I thought it actually. <laughs> what was the topic? It was, uh, it was about the sterile cockpit, what it meant. Uh, what is the sterile cockpit procedure and uh, if I look back to it I've been seeing the video oh my god the, the, the audio quality is like horrendously bad you have it like I, it was in my kitchen and uh, and the kitchen is fairly large because it's connected to the living room and there was a huge echo in the room and it was just terrible so <laughs> you had this huge echo reverb and you're talking about like quite <laughs> yeah. literally the most the most sterile topic you could talk about in aviation and that was the birth of the largest of YouTube channel. for yeah. aviation yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> The lucky thing was that the, the second video, or maybe the third, I'm not sure, um, was about reverse thrust. Um, I didn't really, I just came up with the idea, maybe that's something interesting, because that is something passengers can actually see from their window, sure. and maybe they have questions about it, and that picked up like insanely, and it, I think within a week or two it had uh, half a million and then a month later it had a million uh, views already, and that gave, this, uh, gave the channel an incredible push, because I had... 10 to 20,000 subscribers within the first two weeks or something. And wow. uh, it was that was really crazy. And so, uh, once that video was out, it has really sort of gradually picked up. And then, you know, you get better and better. Yep. <laughs> the audio quality improved. Sure. <laughs> the lighting improved. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and, and then uh, you get, it becomes a routine, right? And, um, and you just try to become better and better with every video. Yeah. So it's been a steep uh, curve from then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your video and audio production quality, too, is amazing. Did you... Uh, teach yourself all that like oh, uh, learn on the fly no pun intended yeah, i learned it all <laughs> myself i mm -hmm. had a, a final cut of the program i work with and uh i mean you know i use youtube as my toolbox because there's mm -hmm. so much stuff you just if you just type in i don't know how to do an animation on, on final cut there's so many other guys on youtube who, who try to oh have you know, are much more skilled than I am, and they make these really cool tutorials, and I just profit of those. And then, mm. you know, sometimes I actually um, mention in the description box, big thank you to this and this guy <laughs> who mm -hmm, showed me right, uh, right. that I learned from the tutorial. But it's a learning by doing thing, yeah. Primarily. For sure. Yeah. Well, mentioning the people who you learn from is actually one of the great ways to actually help yourself even further because you're building that network. And I always talk yeah. to people about trying to network off people and not to use them in a sense, but to actually really grow and have a synergy. You know, absolutely. one plus one equals three. And that's what you do when you do things like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's cool. So your, your background in aviation, this is Aviation Lowdown. When you got yeah. into flying, uh, what yeah. was your intent with that? You always wanted to be a pilot? Funny, funny enough, no, I, I, I'm not one of those who has always dreamt to become a pilot mm -hmm. um, because I have no um, family-related uh, aviators in, in my family or relatives. Um, we did travel a lot when I was a kid, uh, but uh, my first sort of 
let's say, touch to aviation or first um, where I got, got inspired was I flew a little Christian Eagle, mm-hmm. a little biplane. Um, cool. I was invited by uh, friends of my parents and I was like age 14. And we got into the plane, we took off and shortly after takeoff, the pilot said, um, you know, take over control. I said, are you kidding? <laughs> and the cool <laughs> thing is that the Christian Eagle is that the passenger sits in the front seat and the uh. pilot actually sits in the rear seat. So I had an unobstructed view and to look outside and just, you know, climbing into the skies and ah, it was this, the feeling I can still, I really vividly remember it. And, and you have this little broomstick as a control. <laughs> and we just, yeah. So you're just, like break uh, it off the floor, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we just climbed it to the sky and we did very gentle barrel rolls and a little loop here and there, but nothing exciting, like, you know, nothing intense. But, and he was, uh, he was an incredible instructor. And within maybe an hour or so, the flight was long. And then we set into the sunset, like very romantic <laughs> and no turbulence whatsoever. <laughs> and, so, uh, dude, I mean, your first flight in a plane is like you're doing loop de loops in a biplane and flying absolutely. off into the sunset. No wonder why you're a YouTube star. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And, and, and from that on, it just, it sort of picked up and, uh, I've, I really sort of started my passion for aviation from that day on, and uh, I don't regret it. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. I mean, I don't blame you. Who wouldn't be passionate after hearing that story? You know what I mean? (laughs) That's so cool. Uh, By the way, just for the basics, because uh, like I say, I'm sure a lot of people know who you are, but uh, where were you from originally, if you don't mind answering? Obviously from Europe, not from New York, if you guys haven't figured that one out yet. (laughs) No, I was born in in Germany, um, but I was sort of partly raised in England. Um, I spent a lot of my childhood in England, and um, my mum's originally from England, so we we still only speak English to each other, uh, but my like school years were mostly in Germany and um, so yeah, I live now in the Munich area um, yeah that's that's my story cool. more or less so when you first got hired into the professional realm of aviation was that in Germany so doing first yeah, commercial absolutely. work yeah I, I did well most of my flight training was uh, in the States funny enough uh, oh, wow. <laughs> which is really good I can I always highly recommend to do the training in the States because if you understand American ATC, you will have no problem in the rest of the world. <laughs> talk so fast. Yeah, we talk fast. And, uh, yeah. But, by by um, the way, real quick, I'm going to jump back to this topic, but I had written down for later, but you had one of the most amazing interviews <laughs> yeah. with uh, perhaps the most famous American ATC oh. ever, Kennedy Steve. Dude, that was great, Absolutely, man. Yeah. I love that. That was thing. a huge honor, yes. For sure. Well, we, can, we can come back to that in a minute. Yes. Um, <laughs> so the things that... Uh, I did, yeah, most of the training then in, in Vera Beach, Florida, which was great. I had an, a military pilot as our instructor who was just really, really professional. And the Americans themselves have a very nice way of um, lecturing you or like explaining stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I came, I came back to, to Germany, uh, finished my, or I had to convert my license from an American to a European license. And then, uh, sadly, I didn't find a job within the first two years as an airline pilot, but uh, I had to extend my single-engine piston land uh, license, and uh, as I did that, um, my instructor and I took a like we debriefed in a little restaurant very close to the airport. And uh, we, as we sat there debriefing, um, there was a a guy sitting a table next to us. And he was like very furious speaking to his uh, colleague. Oh, I don't know how we're going to deal with the summer. I need a pilot. I need a pilot. And I, I wow. hear that because I'm sitting next to the table. And I just go up to him and say, mate, 
I've just finished my training. I would love to work for you. And that's how I got my first job. The interview was like a minute long. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, uh, it's just the most, <laughs> you use that word romantic, but I can't think of a better word to describe it. It's like this movie couldn't have been written better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and then uh, it was so funny because when I got the job uh, as a skydiving pilot, um, I did my training on the Pilatus Porter and I had no idea what I got, what I signed up for. Because <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, uh, obviously it was very, um, I mean, let's say dangerous in, a, in one aspect um, because I mean you work 35 loads a day and it was very tiring and the plane was incredibly powerful compared to my little piston <laughs> driven oh, seven yeah. or whatever and um, now but uh, also the operation was um, you know you go up to we went up to flight level 150 uh, without oxygen and then you know dropped the skydivers uh, had to get a descent clearance and descend right. as quickly as possible because you already could feel the lack of oxygen if you would spend there like more than five to ten minutes you're in serious trouble um and then you came down again and uh yeah so i did that for roughly one year which was um a lot of fun i gained so much experience because i mean i never flew in a straight line right i always went <laughs> up and down up and down and that's what a pilot needs he needs to practice takeoffs and landings and i did like as i said 35 loads on a saturday which was quite standard and during the week maybe not as much but but still i was at the airport every day and it was so much fun and and then at the end of the season the last day um I remember this so vividly. There was a there was a guy, a skydiver, sitting right opposite of me, and he was constantly monitoring me throughout the entire flight. And he he gave me this weird look, you know. He sometimes you know these people where they just look at you a little weird. Right. And nevertheless, at the end of the the last flight, we had a barbecue. Um, this guy comes up to me, and he says, "Hey, Joe, what are you going to be doing for the for the winter season?" I said, "Well, I'm not sure. I actually applied to skydive uh, Dubai to work for them wow. on the porter, but he actually he said, "Hey, look, I'm uh, the um, a chief pilot of an executive company in uh, Dusseldorf. Um, would you want to fly for us?" <laughs> I said, "Yeah, well, yeah. Said, hello." <laughs> Don't ask me twice. And he actually monitored. I was more or less performing my screening whilst he was sitting there. Uh, whilst I took him up to, to flight level 150. And he said, I can see you can fly. Uh, just come around the next week for an interview and, you know, and we'll sign you up for, for rating on the King Air. Wow. So I got my job on the King Air. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, you know, I just, I just, I am literally feeling like the butterfly feeling of just learning this because it's such authentic and real stories that yeah, you know, I've yeah. no one's, I've never heard this stuff. That's amazing. Wow. I, I feel, I feel so privileged to, to get that job because that was a very nice transition from now more sort of a VFR flying, but the skydivers now getting back into IFR flying, all the stuff I've actually learned in flight school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, yeah, I did a, a couple of, a couple of months there and it was amazing. I had a, a fantastic time and, um, you know, flew very interesting people around, uh, got, like Europe was, Europe was my back pocket and, yep. Yep, <laughs> and, exactly. uh, I was a freelancer, meaning I could work whenever I wanted and I was working there every day and, um, I barely took any vacation <laughs> and, uh, and then my best friend, who I went to flight school with, she was already working for an airline and she then called me up and said, Joe, you need to apply right now to Air Berlin. They need, uh, they are going to be hiring pilots very, very soon and I want your CV on the top of the list. So that's what I did and literally a month later, they called me up, I went through the interview, passed the screening and boom, I had my first airline job wow. on, the, on the air. Congrats. 20, yeah. it was, That's a perfect story. I, uh, <laughs> it sounds very cheeky when I say that but <laughs> 
I think I've only sent out one CV in my life, <laughs> especially wow. in terms of piloting, because I only had to send it out for, for Air Berlin. Um, yeah, the rest was more just a lucky story, you know? <laughs> for those listening yeah. who are in the States, uh, this is, CV is a resume, basically. Oh, it's sorry. Like, yeah, the resume. yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> we have to do the European translation occasionally for this stuff, but yeah. uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of angry people punching their stereos in their phones listening to this. Like, I've applied for 5,400 jobs. I heard back from yeah. two, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Well, one of the things that I picked up from that, I have two questions related to it too, I think are interesting. But one of the things I picked up is, like I said, the ability to network and just try and get yourself out there. And you just happen to be a lot of this stuff in you know the right place at the right time, which worked out. Hey, did you ever skydive? I had to ask you that. Yeah, the funny story was, um, or is that <laughs> I, I, you know, that people say, why would I ever jump out of a fully functional airplane? Right. Uh, I was one of those guys. And, um, but my boss at the time, he kind of sort of forced me to do it because I was, my seat cushion in the porter was a parachute. So I had to actually get a feel for what it means to jump out of a plane. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I did one tandem jump, uh, which was exhilarating. It was really, really cool. So I got a bit of a feel of what these guys are actually doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a really nice YouTube video about that <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, see me like <laughs> yeah. battling the free fall, but uh, no, it was it's it's great, and I I admire all these guys who you know got their license. Maybe one day I might I might actually consider getting it as well. But um, it's it's great fun. I can highly recommend any every pilot to maybe give it a try once yeah, to, to that's see what amazing. it's like. Yeah. And apparently there's good job security in being the pilot because there's no shortage of people who want to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. So <laughs> it's always something you can keep in your back pocket. You know, if this whole like YouTube celebrity thing doesn't work out, you can always go back to flying people who jump out of planes. That, <laughs> that's so cool, Joe. And back to the oxygen thing. See, I was recently at a air show, Jones Beach here in New York, and I thought of that because they bring these guys to like 15 or 16, something crazy, 1,000 feet. I'm not entirely sure, but it's higher than would require supplemental oxygen, I think. So how long do they stay up there and do the jump? They don't, jumpers don't use oxygen. They just jump right out, right? Yeah, yeah sure, sure. I mean, the thing is that the, the problem we had um, was that the airspace we were flying in was very close to a sort of commercial airport. And um, so you had to... I had to very often get a dropping clearance for the skydivers to actually jump out um, because they were flying through that airspace right. where there were planes flying in. And also, uh, I had to get a descent clearance to go into the back into the airspace. And sometimes, it, if there was a Ryanair <laughs> approaching, right. uh, I had to wait, right? So, right. and uh, I wasn't allowed to descend. And that really created a bit of a problem. And first of all, because of the oxygen, oxygen, and secondly, because of fuel. And, um, you know, it was, uh, I'm not going to say it was risky, but, um, you always sort of, I, when I knew I wouldn't get the clearance, I set my top stopwatch sort of five to 10 minutes. And then I kind of have to be very hesitant and get this descent clearance because, right. or make a huge loop around it or whatever, just to come down because I, I don't want to risk it. And, um, yeah. Have you yeah. ever done one of those hypoxia chambers by any chance? Uh, it's going to be a YouTube video. It's coming up. <laughs> oh, I just spoiled something. My bad. <laughs> cut it out. No, cut I it have, out. I have, I, have, um, I have done something similar. Um, yeah. Because my where I did my PPL, um, the, you had to have a certain sort of certification to go across the Alps. Mm -hmm. And we did um, some high altitude flying in a little 172, I think it was. Um, and I remember that. It was so funny. My instructor brought a 
piece of paper with large letters on it, like um, calculations on it. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Mate, well, what are you doing that for? Well, I don't need this." And he said, oh, "You'll see, you'll see." So we took off, and we think we climbed to ten and a half thousand feet. And then he brought out this paper again, and <laughs> it didn't take very long for me to you oh, know yeah. mess with these easy math calculations because your mind, your you lack in oxygen so quickly and your brain is so messed up. Just even dialing in frequencies becomes a really big task suddenly. And yep. uh, yes, yeah, so I've, I've experienced it a little bit, but I, I really want to do the, the oxygen oxygen chamber test one. Well, that will be a big hit, believe me. Even if you don't remember any of it, I think people will appreciate that. So. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So you started with, it was uh, the German airline, as you mentioned, uh, Air Berlin, yeah. you said, right? Yeah. And you started, I guess, what would become your YouTube channel at what point? Because you were working with them. You said it was, uh, you know, the beginning of the broadcast, how it yeah. started. But were you working with Air Berlin? Yeah, correct. Um, it was at the time when I was with Air Berlin, uh, maybe sort of the – I was – uh, five years in uh, within the company and uh, I did all sorts of other jobs um, before um, starting YouTube uh, because I, I, was, I was never the type of guy who just sits around on his couch doing nothing. I always wanted right. to do something and um, interestingly enough, uh, YouTube, uh, sorry, Air, Air Berlin was really interested in all. They said, hey, we kind of love this. This is, you know, sort of side marketing for us. It's great uh, as long as it's positive and sure. um, they allowed me so much stuff. It was incredible i i got you know permits to to record i i had a flight where we had i think five or six gopros attached in the in the cockpit wow. and uh and then oh, i had to get approval for everything but um i mean there's a couple of videos out which were very very helpful for also for, uh, for type rating people who are just in type rating they learned a lot about procedures and stuff like that and i really enjoyed doing this it was so much fun and the, the coolest thing i ever got the biggest request i had i wanted to get like really nice aerial shots of the mm-hmm. planes oh, um, oh i see where this I is going really. oh i see yes captain go, joe yes, is a drone pilot i know <laughs> yeah i got <laughs> a permit cool. to uh, fly a drone within the hangar of the technical hangar of uh, or maintenance hangar of air Berlin, uh and i flew around the planes inside the hangar which great you know gave incredible yeah. shots oh, I, and I, was, I think i'm one of the only ones who has these shots and i'm you know all to thank for air Berlin for, for allowing all this and uh yeah, yeah it was it was a great time absolutely. absolutely i mean from overseas air berlin thank you i think you're <laughs> part of one of the big reasons why i'm talking to this guy here and it echoes quite the contrast and this is not to attack per se of the regulations here in the u.s but just to bring up the differences i've talked to for example steve one canivo who you're probably familiar with and uh, he had a crazy story about how the regulations actually sort of came back to haunt him a little bit and he didn't really do anything wrong per se but people were really curious what he was doing and uh, pilot emily who i talked to she's from canada and she flies to the u.s quite a bit sort of echoed that same sentiment it was like well the u.s they're a little bit more strict with respect to stuff like hooking gopros up to the flight deck so and i've noticed a lot of these influencers uh, i would consider you a straight-up celebrity at this point and a lot of that (laughs) and those guys like you uh nobody is you let's be honest you're the best okay but a lot of guys like you they are in europe you know do you find that the european market or the regulations are more conducive to having more of an influencer setup uh, it's so funny that you say that Mm -hmm. because we europeans think the exact opposite (laughs) we think that the americans no i'm not kidding because um 
when I think of aviation, if I, for example, if I wanted to get myself a plane, I would get it in the States hmm. for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. Aviation is far much more accepted in the States. And it, it's, I, per, we personally here as Europeans think it's much, much easier to get permits or, you know, fly into airspaces. Like I remember in flight school, we flew into Miami airspace mm-hmm. like every second day because we thought it was just cool to join the big 747s on the short final and stuff sure. like that. There's right. absolutely no way you could do that in Germany. Really? If you try what? to fly a little Cessna <laughs> into Frankfurt airspace, be my guest. It, it will not happen. It's not happening. <laughs> uh, there's a well-known pilot. I'm not going to name who it is. But we, uh, we've discussed flying a cub into JFK this summer. <laughs> I said this is impossible, but uh, stranger things have happened in my life. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but, but so, so from that perspective, perspective, it's interesting to see that, let's say, my colleagues or influencer colleagues from, from the States are kind of struggling mm-hmm. with the same issues we have here in Europe as well because uh, yes we also have regulations and we have to stick to them um, but uh, I, I never expected that the FAA is as, maybe as strict as, as the Europeans are but yeah <laughs> right and you know I'm not a lawyer I don't sit down and read all these regulations but it's just like the overall feeling which uh, sometimes it's not entirely good on either side because you know you don't really want the pilots afraid of the body that oversees the regulations on the other hand they, you don't want them to blow their career over something stupid like a GoPro Absolutely. Uh, so it's a fine line, sort of a gray area. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. because the global scale of things like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of social media, now more than ever, it's such a prominent issue because people are flying and obviously talking to one another, even if they don't leave the country. So there's more people inputting that opinion. And I just thought it was cool to get your opinion because, by the way, you've flown pretty much everywhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <would you> say, <laughs> what, like, how many countries have you flown to? Not that you've counted. Oh. I don't yeah, know. I, seriously, I, I, I should have counted them at one point, but I've stopped. Um, <laughs> I know I've, I think I've flown to nearly all the countries within Europe, yeah. uh, but worldwide. I mean, I've, I've missed a lot of them in Africa. I haven't been to much in Africa. Australia is a big one. I'm still missing in New Zealand. But uh, Asia, I've seen a lot states-wise. I mean, I, I, to be fair, I still love flying to the States. I'm yep. just looking at my map right here and, uh, you know, like Chicago, L.A., uh, never been to New York. Can you believe it? I've been to New York many times as a passenger. I mean, I was meeting up with Steve and so, but I have, I'm so looking forward to do my first landing in JFK. That's like one of my biggest goals. <laughs> I will meet you there at the terminal. Yes, I know sure. I was so sorry. Uh, for those listening, actually, this fine gentleman actually messaged me, <laughs> reached out to me personally and asked me to meet him. And I said, oh, you know, I'd love to. And then something happened and, you know, it, it didn't work out ultimately. But one yeah. of the things I do have for you is that freaking tie. I do have a tie for ah, you. Ah, yes, I remember. <laughs> we spoke about the tie. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So I'll give you like five free ties and I don't know, maybe I'll throw in a bikini or something for free. But that is something that i really want to have happen and jfk i think it's the busiest port city well port of entry in the world in terms of people flying internationally and whatnot so uh yeah come over to new york sometime we'll love you yeah it's it's because just recently we had a very nice uh, simulator session um just like the, the the current training we do um every um half year and we did uh, practice approaches into new york on uh, runway one tree left and right for the canasi the vor canasi Yep. Ah, it's just so, I mean, it's so funny. I, I posted a picture the next day, um, about that I was training this approach and I was, uh, you know, asking experienced pilots what their experience is, uh, with the, with the Canasi approach. And it's so funny to see that a lot of people say, yeah, it's fairly easy in the sim because you could, you get these leading in lights, which are quite easy to see on spot. But in real life, 
there's a highway, you know, <laughs> maybe the sun is hitting your eyes or whatever. And so uh, it's difficult, apparently. Yeah. The Canarsie approach, and, and I'm not a pilot, okay, but I've heard <laughs> from people who are pilots who say it is the hybrid visual instrument approach. That's what Correct. They're, they're like. Correct. You basically need, you know, you need every sense you can possibly get to fly yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 an instrument approach at the same time as the visual. So it's half yeah. and half of it. Yeah, it's hybrid. Right. Yeah, that's right. So the, and that's it's so interesting too because New York just the airspace the way it's cut up and the airports share the same fixes and if you've ever been into uh, one of those airports and been able to see the traffic I've actually been into some of the towers uh, LaGuardia in particular is amazing mm-hmm. because you can actually mm-hmm. see most of the skyline and how they work in but yeah. it's like such clockwork I mean it's so uh, it just so epitomizes what is ATC it's just nonstop, <laughs> yeah. nonstop, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely, yeah. But that's 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 the things um, which I, for example, I really love uh, flying, for example, into into the London area in Europe uh, or the UK is because it's actually it's very relaxed. I personally think as a pilot because you don't really have to think about your descent planning. Because the ATC controller does everything for you. You just have to follow his instructions and just go step by step by step by step, and mm-hmm. he will take you down. It's the same as I hear, apparently, in New York, that the, the, the controllers, they will take care of your descent. You don't have to worry about if you're too fast, too slow, too high, whatever. They will take care of that. And that actually, as from a pilot's perspective, is very calming. And you don't have to worry. It's one less thing to worry about. Uh, but obviously, you have to really pay attention. <laughs> I was... In training for a few years at the New York Center, and you know, we always we throw jokes at each other now and then, and it's like it's fun, you know, and it's all in good nature. But I'll go on the record and say there are some of the best controllers probably in the world, and the Absolutely. amount of traffic they have to work, and the conditions, and they talk about the thunderstorms. Just this week and last week in the U.S., we had over 500, I believe, tornadoes, and those storms all roll. You know, they go right to the east. And these guys got to work air traffic around those massive thunderstorms. Incredible. I mean, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. So hats off to all controllers in the world. Absolutely. uh, Particularly all London, New York, all those guys. It's uh, it's a really, really thankless job. And it's so nice to hear really experienced pilots like yourself say, thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) So that's amazing. A lot of people have to understand that uh, as a pilot, you pilot the plane. But mm-hmm. you are so incredibly reliant on the ATC control, especially in you know very congested airports like JFK or others. And uh, yeah, you are maybe the eyes from the skies, but the air traffic controller is the eyes from above, uh, from from the ground, and he has all your surrounding traffic. TCAS, great, great system. Mm-hmm, right. But I don't even. I have been flying for 10, 11 years now. And I never got a resolution advisory, meaning that I never had to actively uh, take control of the plane and um, avoid traffic. Right. And that speaks, that just tells that I have been flying around with great aircraft, air traffic controllers who took care of me. Uh, Shifting gears a little bit, we talked a little bit about your past with flying, how you got into this stuff. And obviously on YouTube, like we said, you have a million subscribers. You also are on Instagram a bit, and we'll talk about the platforms in just a little bit. But shifting gears a little bit to your community, and obviously it's hard to ignore these people. You have tons of them. Yeah. What has that had an impact on your career? And I'm sure it's had an impact on you personally, the messages you get, the people you influence, the kids, the retired guys, the people who are like, you know, I've always wanted Mm -hmm. to fly, but you've inspired me. Mm -hmm. and. I suppose I know a little bit about that mm-hmm. feeling, but nothing like what you probably get with your numbers. So tell us a little bit about that, some of the messages you've got. 
I mean, I get, it was so funny. I had a, recently I was at an expo in uh, Lon London, yeah. Um, I was invited to go there and speak, um, a sort of public speaking event. It was really nice. And I had my own little booth mm -hmm. and people were lining up to talk to me. And it was, I was, I was blessed to see all these people and meet these people. And I was actually expecting these people to say, oh, Joe, look, this technical video is amazing. This is really, really explained this very well, whatever. But mm. so funny. <laughs> none of them actually said the technical videos. None of them, like, mentioned those. They all said, Joe, you're the biggest motivation, uh, biggest inspiration, and your motivational videos are the best. Mm -hmm. And that right. was, like, huge to me because it's because you, as the creator, obviously always have in mind you're doing the right thing. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But your viewer, he will actually give you the right feedback. So in terms of that, I've heard very, very nice, inspiring stories coming back from them, giving great feedback. Yes, the technical videos are all, all great and I've helped a lot, but it's to me personally, when someone gives me a feedback saying that these motivational videos uh, have helped a lot and, and you know, I, one of them is sort of, I made one of the videos that you can actually download and listen to it every morning. Um, it's mm -hmm. great to, to hear that people, you know, pick up on my ideas and then, and, and, you know, convert right. my morning routine and all that kind of stuff. It's yep. great. But yep. besides that, the other really positive side effect of, of YouTube is the invitations. Mm -hmm, I have just been come back last weekend. I was in Italy in Bologna uh, with my girlfriend, and we uh, we went aerobatic flying. So a Red Bull pilot in his glider said, "Hey Joe, come around. I uh, would love to do a video with you." And he was such a cool guy because we said, "Okay, let's not just make a video of you know showing how quickly I get sick in an aerobatic plane <laughs> because <laughs> I did." did I said, you? "Let's use the chance." And make it a, you know, an explanation video and talk about stalls and about recovery. So, uh, like spin recovery and all that kind of stuff. And man, that, it, it was, we took the whole day of recording and it was just so cool that this YouTube channel has opened up these doors. Speaking to oh, Kennedy yeah. Steve. I mean, I wrote him an email. I told him about my channel. He said, Hey, Joe, you seem to be the right guy. Come around to New York. We'll have that interview. Like, and I can count as countless stories I could tell you right now. And mm -hmm. this is to me, such a great positive side effect that the people I am now able to get to meet and I have a really, really big one coming up. <laughs> I cannot mention his name right now, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just, it's incredible. And I've never ever expected this tiny little project that it evolved into something so huge. And I'm so thankful for that community. I'm so, and here you are talking to, you know, little aviation lowdown. So you're so, and like, <laughs> you know, it's so humbling to talk to somebody who has, it's like, it's incredible that you are so down to earth. And Thanks. I want to just set up, pause that for a second and say to my listeners, uh, this guy is the real deal. Like he's messaged <laughs> me back. He's been very prompt with his responses, always following up. Uh, you know, dare I say, you've actually been relatively easy to get in touch with and talk to. And I'm sure now you're going to get even more messages. So sorry about that. But, no, but yeah, it's true. There's one thing I just want to quickly come back because you, you called me an influencer at the beginning. Um, I must personally say that I don't really like that word because I personally don't see myself as an influencer, mm -hmm. more as someone who is trying to help because um, to me, it's very, very important that the content I put out has to have value. It has to be something that I look back in 10 years, my kids will look at it and say, oh my God, dad, you were really cool. You know, sure. and it's something that is, has value to my viewers. And 
what upsets me is that nowadays this word influencer is being used so often for people who <laughs> they just they throw around anything. Yeah, I mean, I, why does a pilot need to sell you know all I sorts know. of <laughs> merchandise? I mean, like, uh, yeah. shirts or or shaving cream and all that. It has nothing to do with aviation, and that kind of sort of bothers me that a lot of people get distracted by just to make money with it rather than educating people and showing them what aviation is about, you know, and showing actually the dark side of it as well. So, right. and I am very, very honest when it comes to my job and I want people to know that it's not all fancy glamorous. There's a lot of downside to it as well at the same time. So, And we'll talk about a little bit about some of the challenges in a second. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, that influencer that's thing. That's so true. And I got to be real for a second. I think ATC memes kind of rides the line a little bit. You know, we push it, <laughs> we push it in one direction. Like, I know, I, and believe me, I know, you know, there's a lot of bikinis and leggings and people out there were selling weird shirts and funny stuff. But at the end of the day, I also like to like snap it. Like, come on, come on, guys, come back for a second. Let's talk real <laughs> and then go chaotic and then bring it back. But yeah, I but I, totally I have agree. to admit that ATC memes is what <laughs> it's the one, I think the only uh, Instagram account I follow in terms of aviation humor. And, oh well, my god, I've been, I've been fooled so many times with aviation. <laughs> you? you no, you don't get recently, fooled. Recently, I don't know why you had this one thing about uh, Uber that you have, you can order <laughs> the Uber driver to be silent. Is oh, that yeah. One? Yeah, and I, I am not kidding. I actually went up to my girlfriend and said, hey, uh, by the way, uh, sweets, if you book the next Uber, check that silent button. I don't want the driver to talk to Dude, I, I know. And we said, well, we, we <laughs> should make one. Driver. For those of you who don't know what that was in reference, so Uber apparently had this rollout where you can have a silent driver and somebody said, well, we should make one where the whole passenger row is silent. So you sit down in your plane and basically, you know, you, that that passenger will not speak to you the whole flight. I'm like, that's, that's genius. That's not even a joke. That's like a billion dollar idea, you know? <laughs> it, I mean, it was so funny. She looked at me, Joe, where did you pick up that? And I said, it, it was on ATC memes. It has, it must be true, right? And it has goes, to be real. It is yeah. so hilarious. Like, Just like how true. that uh, Spirit Airlines charge people $2,500 to deviate around a storm. They're like, please swipe your credit card in the slot above your head. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I love the content of ATC memes because you have to see the aviation world from a bit of a humor side. You know, so from that, from that point, you're doing a really good job with that. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, there's a lot coming from anyone, and especially coming from you, who actually knows what they're doing. So thank you for that. And I was watching some interviews on YouTube, the band Toto the other day, big band from the 80s. Africa. Yes, yes. Africa. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw them live last year. Amazing, amazing show. So cool. cool. But anyway, in this interview, Steve Lukather, the guitar player, is talking about how they can sort of portray what they stood for in the stuff they did sometimes in the music and sometimes not. And like, for example, Jan Wenner from Rolling Stone wanted them to be on the front cover and the band was kind of against it because they thought they were going to get ripped to shred. So they told them no. And they basically raised like the proverbial finger to the, <laughs> to, to the industry, you know, but that's like a really punk rock move. And this is like the most not punk rock band ever, you know, and uh, comedy is like that in a lot of ways. It, comedy, like yeah. it can help bring meaning and it can help actually like portray characters situations and uh new light in ways that you couldn't have done without that comedic relief like and a lot of these my all-time favorite stand-up comics who i wish i had like five percent of the talent of some of these guys but they do a great job they're like philosophers they're like uh social critics in a way because they're able to get the crowd to actually think yeah. like well that's actually kind of true or that's kind of weird or i never thought of it like that you know Absolutely. so like throughout your social media career i'm sure you've had people who have kind of come out of nowhere and they're critics they come forward oh, they're yeah. bullies yeah. sometimes oh, people they just 
you know, they throw shade, right? <laughs> and how do you handle this? Yeah. What's, uh, what have been some situations you remember? Yeah. Sure, sure. I've, the funny thing is that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, not counting this times, but, uh, you know, you have your, your, your hater every week or so or every month. It depends on, on obviously the content or what I'm putting out video wise. But, um, the funny thing is in the three years I've been doing it, no one ever has had the courage to actually approach me and say it into my face. Yep. So all the criticism I get and all the hate and all the comments and all the whatever you see, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. I mean, I, I pick it up. I say, all right, good, mate. It's great. You've been hiding behind your laptop or phone or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, well, great that you put that effort into that. You are actually wasting your time to write something. I won't most likely not even going to read and not even pick up on. Mm. And, it has no value to me because I only take criticism from people who are above me in terms of hierarchy, like my captains. Mm -hmm. So if they have something to comment about, hey, Joe, look, the sampling was bad or this or this or that, um, this is to me feedback I can profit from and I will build up on that and I will improve. Sure. But someone who yeah. is hiding in his cellar and has not the courage to come up to speak to me personally – I don't care. Really, I exactly. do not care. Yeah. Exactly. What's wrong with living <laughs> in your mom's basement? No, I'm kidding. Actually. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, I did. I, I, I just bought a house, actually. I'm talking to you now. I set up this studio, and it was a long time coming, too. But it was, like, yeah. honestly true that a lot of those uh, skits were, like, quite literally filmed in my in-law's basement. So, yeah. uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, and, and you know, great stories start. <laughs> it is. It's like it was so authentic and real. I'm like, oh my god, you know, there's my father-in-law like working on his computer, and I'm like making strange fake student pilot voices. I'm like, oh, November one, two, three, Alpha Delta, you know. But so it's true, and you know, it's so weird too in the human nature of it all because you can get 999 positive reviews, and you get one really bad burner, and you just you think about that one the whole day. I mean, that's yeah. the way I do. I don't know. Yeah, I, you, you try not to. Yeah, I admit at, at, at the beginning when, when it all started off and, and you had that, as you said, that uh, thousand positive and you have that one negative comment. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have sleepless nights at the beginning, right. but uh, you, you get, you know, you deal with it. And, uh, and then also I have my family, I have my friends here to talk about these things. You know, I then, if I really pick on something and then I question them, hey, was that really so bad? And I said, Joe, what the hell? You know, and then uh, it's, uh, you, you right. deal with it. It's really you, you deal, you deal, and and honestly, it becomes part of your identity to just like be yeah, steadfast in what you believe and keep doing what you do. And absolutely. haters gonna hate. You know, you don't really need to focus on the haters; you just focus on the people who like you. And honestly, you have a lot of people who like you. So thanks. <laughs> so there's a book that I just finished reading. Uh, I do read a lot. I try to keep it balanced. Um, and it's a book called Purple Cow. And it's by Seth Godin, and it was recommended to me by a very, very well-known guy in entertainment, actually. And he basically said, you got to read this book. Mm -hmm. And he actually did a whole seminar thing on it. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to check it out. And basically the gist of it is this. You're driving down the highway, and you see a cow. Wow, it's pretty cool. Big, healthy, black and white spots, you know. And then you see two, and then ten, and then eventually you're kind of like, okay, well, this is kind of boring. No one's talking about the cows anymore because they're all the same. And then comes along a purple cow on the side of the road. You're like, wow, that's amazing. Everyone's talking about it. You're like, this is incredible. I got to tell all my friends. Slow down. Let's take a picture. Well, you, Captain Joe, are sort of like that purple cow. Okay. You're a different type of identity. You're a different type of pilot, I guess, on the YouTube community. Like, you stand out. You know, you make yourself unique. 
So my question to you, and this is not like in a marketing sense, but just in a sense of somebody who's really differed themselves, you've made a huge name for yourself, and people are dying to know how you did this. And if I could ask you, Joe, what is the secret to your purple cow? What makes you different? <laughs> um, it's a pretty it's a tough question right i mean this question makes you think i could give you a very arrogant answer <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah <clears throat> well i think as i as i've said before um what defines me and probably why the channel is doing so well is that i'm very honest about my opinion uh, towards aviation um I stick out because I want to explain stuff. I want to Definitely. give the viewer uh, something he can actually profit from. That to me is key. Um, mm -hmm. For example, the biggest motivation for me or the, the biggest feedback I get is when flight schools or flight students send me pictures or videos of the uh, their instructor putting on a video of mine in classroom. That is like the biggest reward I can get yeah. because then I know I must have done something right. And I think that's what separates me from the others because I think many others are more sort of, I need as many followers as possible because I want to make profit with this whole thing. Mm. And uh, they forget about the content, the value of the content. I, I'm not going to mention any names here, but I know I know some of these guys, they are right. faking it to the <laughs> limit. It is, yeah. I mean, I've seen people taking pictures in hotels. They don't actually stay in that hotel. They only <laughs> go there to take pictures because it's a fancy hotel. They wear their uniform and like, oh, great layover here, there and that. Then I am actually in that hotel because I have a layover there. Right, and right. then the concierge tells me, oh, no, 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 no. He just came here to take pictures. And I said, are you kidding me this cannot Dude, be true that is insane <laughs> so they just they do it to get the picture yeah oh my god Dude, by the way we're not saying that everyone does this like there's some amazing people out oh god, there. Oh god. <laughs> right you know what i mean like right right just to me it's a little upsetting because mm -hmm. a lot of people get incredibly encouraged or motivated by this and they think that is also amazing but it's not and so to me it's very very important that uh, what I think separates me a little bit from the others is that I try to be as authentic as possible, as honest as possible about what I do and mention the positive and especially also the negatives to, to the to the career in aviation. Yeah, yeah. It, it also so. builds credibility too when you're uh, kind of approaching yeah, 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 sure, the negative sure, too. You know, sure. it's like, it's not all glamour and stuff. I look at some of these Instagram feeds, it, maybe it's not even having anything to do with aviation and sometimes people open up as being like, today I had a really shitty day. You know, you're like, wow, this guy's <laughs> an actual human being or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That can add a lot of credibility to it and mm -hmm. like I've just, and what your answer demonstrates is basically what I thought. You know, you're just a real human. You know, a guy who appreciates the value of what you're creating and i love that yeah. that's why i wanted to do an interview with you so. <laughs> yeah thanks so yeah. people d diving a little bit uh, around this idea people who want to you know make a living or not even make a living let's say but just want to get themselves out there they want to make a channel it doesn't have to be a, yeah. a million or a billion but let's say you're a pilot or you're whatever you're an aircraft maintenance guy or yeah. you own a flight school it doesn't matter what it is you want to have your name or your personality out there Mm -hmm. Would that be your advice? Just basically be true to yourself and create great content that builds value for your fans? 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone has to do it. It's uh, I would recommend it to people who can actually tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I think the best proof of that <laughs> you don't need to have the best equipment. Um, just look at my uh, my first videos. I've sure. done. Um, I recorded them with my cell phone and yeah. with my mobile phone, and mm-hmm. uh, the quality was lousy. But still, the video was picked up because the storyline or what I was trying to, you know, show with this video had an impact. So I mean, if someone, um, I know, I know a lot of people do vlogs and all that kind of thing. It's okay. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, but um, always think from a viewer's perspective. And if you have you see or you know what your viewer wants, then I think you're set up for success. And uh, and so, I, yeah, I think, I mean, I have a, a couple of guys who have like uh, maintenance channels, which I think are really, really informative, which I, you know, I watch because I can learn a lot from them. And uh, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of cool content out Absolutely. there. Sure. Yeah, YouTube is a goldmine for learning stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, endless what you can learn out there. So a lot of my listeners actually are probably pretty tech savvy or they're interested in this stuff. Uh, do you mind mm-hmm. like just answering the question, what kind of equipment do you use, the software, lighting, audio? And I have noticed your production quality has dramatically yes. improved over the years. <laughs> Mine has yeah. too. Is more learning stuff, <laughs> yeah. getting better stuff too. Uh, uh, so yeah, what are you using now for all that? Well, the tip of the, um, what I do primarily, the recordings are on a um, standard um, DSLR, uh, a, what's it, the Panasonic G4, cool. GH4. Yep. And yep. Um, then I have, uh, yeah, I had a lot of troubles with the audio at the beginning. Um, so currently, I'm actually waiting for a new um, a microphone set. But at the moment, so weird it sounds, I'm actually recording all my audio with uh, with my iPhone, and then I uh, add, so I have two lines. I have the uh, the video line and the audio line, and then I just add them together. And yeah, and uh, primarily I use my Mac or my iMac or my MacBook if I'm uh, traveling, and I do everything with Final Cut. Yeah, so you uh, have to uh, sync your audio and post then. Yeah, yeah. Together. yeah. So when it's mm-hmm. funny, and not only not a lot of, not a lot of people know that, but. When I start off my video, I clap my hands. <laughs> sure, you sync. <laughs> that's my my Your you know cue. my cue, yep. cue point, and I work. I, I clap at the beginning, mm-hmm. I clap at the end. <laughs> For sure, yeah. And uh, so now yeah. you understand the use of the iconic Hollywood clapper board. You know, marker. Action. And Joe is creating the next hit Absolutely. on YouTube for aviation. So, you know, this has been amazing so far, and I actually want to incorporate some of my mm-hmm. listeners. Somebody asked, Joe, what is your favorite plane and why? Well, I have to admit that uh, currently it is the 747 because I, I fly it at the moment, and I have to admit that she is, it's so exciting to fly her. She's, you know, besides the size and everything, it's just she's very forgiving. Uh, what once you're in the air, but when you come in for landing, she really needs to be on the center line. She needs to be on the spot. Everything needs to go well, because uh, yeah, if you overshoot that touchdown zone, it can be a long, <laughs> long landing until you come to yeah, a stop. So, no, but but yeah, besides that, I, I love the seven four. She's really nice. I mean, the queen of the skies, Absolutely. the queen of the skies. So that's what you're flying now, you said. How long have you been flying that, or at least that's a uh, commercial? Yeah, on the 7.4, I've been, yeah, just above a year now, a uh, year and cool. a half, yeah. That's right. I remember you told me about that earlier last year, I think. Yeah. Uh, and are you still based in Germany, uh, being no. somebody who flies over the world? No, I'm, I'm based in a very small little country called Luxembourg, which is in oh, between yep. France, Germany, Belgium, and uh, yeah. 
Yep. That's nice. Thing. Very cool. Yep. That's amazing, Joe. Yeah. So, uh, kind of wrapping it up here, yeah. uh, the, the future of Captain Joe. I, obviously, you've kind of hinted <laughs> at some big things, and you really can't spill the beans per yeah. se. But yeah. where do you see this thing going? It's not slowing down, no, but it's, it's certainly it's going actually, somewhere. It's, it's picking up, and I, I got an amazing phone call just the other day. Yeah, that sounds exciting. <laughs> about something really, really big. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's, it's really bad. I, can't, I really can't talk I, about it. I can it just at the tell moment, how but, bad you want uh, to tell say, people. Well, let's change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell no, anybody. No, no. It's, it's my, uh, my, from my personal view, um, I definitely want to go more into the public speaking um, mm-hmm. because I just realized that on the last couple of events I've been to, interacting with these people is incredibly rewarding. And also, mm-hmm. I think it's very, very helpful for them. They can pick up a lot of stuff that I taught them or tell them what to do. And uh, I've got a lot of feedback also from that. And um, so I want to go more and do that. Um, YouTube-wise, it will continue, but it's going to become more um, flight school related. So my sure. previous videos have been very passenger related, a lot of stuff like what passengers would like to know or have been curious about. But now I, uh, I have a good friend of mine who's just started uh, flight school and he is so excited about you know learning this and that and i want to go deeper into flight school related mm, stuff so that'd be yeah. cool and uh but there's more big many big things big stuff come. coming. you need to make sure. like a psa like coming soon captain joe something, something <laughs> big you don't know what it is yet but it's gonna absolutely, be awesome absolutely <laughs> Well, Joe, I just want to thank you for talking with me out of your busy life for the past hour or so. You're somebody who has 1.3 million fans or something crazy. And you've, you've <laughs> actually, yeah, Thanks. no, I mean, yeah. it's an honor to talk to you. I've learned so much about your story and some of the philosophy behind your channel, what makes you tick. Uh, and it's been really, really amazing. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks. It means a lot. Uh, also, side note, dude, you grow an amazing beard. Why did you shave that? <laughs> there, has oh my to, God. there has to be a oh story. God. Yeah, that was, uh, that was just, uh, let's say, sponsorship related. <laughs> it was, it was dude, video. it was awesome. No, it, was, it was good fun. It was definitely. Fun yeah. No, I liked it. I want to share. <laughs> Joe, it's yeah. been an absolute honor to have you here. You're somebody who I've wanted to interview for many years, to be honest with you. And somebody who, you know, you're true to what you do, man. You create great content, authentic content. You're not a sellout. You're somebody who's always doing creative stuff. And uh, it means a lot to me as this content creator to learn from somebody like you. So thank you so much. And you inspire everyone, anyone who's ever lucky enough to stumble upon one of your videos, Captain Joe or Fly with Captain Joe on Instagram. Do you have any closing statements for the audience? Well, I mean, my closing statement here <laughs> is always and has been a good pilot is always learning. Yes, I like that. <laughs> That's a and who better to learn from than Captain Joe himself? Here on the Aviation Lowdown, thank you for being here. Man. Thanks for having me on the show. Not a really problem. Thank you. We'll talk soon, Joe. We'll talk soon. See you, buddy. Bye. Take care. Well, that just about concludes this week's edition of Aviation Lowdown with my friend Captain Joe. Wow. YouTube, Captain Joe, just look it up. Or on Instagram, Fly with Captain Joe, a guy who has millions of fans and quite honestly has them because he's authentic, he's real, he actually cares about the product he's creating. The media, the videos, the lessons, go check it out. Anybody can learn something from Captain Joe. As always, guys, LO at AviationLowdown.com for all the fan mail and the occasional hate mail. We all love to hear from you. 
And uh, honestly, thanks for being a fan. It means a lot to me. If you guys haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. Go out there, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. You never know who we may have on the show. And as always, uh, well, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Bye-bye.